Welcome to the First Church Orlando podcast. Here you will find recordings of weekly sermons, devotions, interviews, and seminar recordings from the First United Methodist Church of Orlando. For more information about First Church Orlando, please visit our website at firstchurchorlando.org or follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Now, enjoy the podcast. Our scripture this morning comes from Hebrews chapter 11, beginning with the 13th verse. All these people died in faith without receiving the promises, but they saw the promises from a distance and welcomed them. They confessed that they were strangers and immigrants on the earth. People who say this kind of thing make it clear that they are looking for a homeland. If they had been thinking about the country they had left, they would have the opportunity to return to it. But at this point in time, they are longing for a better country. That is a heavenly one. Therefore, God isn't ashamed to be called their God. He has prepared a city for them. This is the word of God for the people of God. And now, Lord, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of each heart be acceptable and pleasing in your sight, O God, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Well, today on this All Saints Sunday, I'd like to talk about some heavy topics, death and eternity in heaven. And I suppose I should start with a confession. I I hope I don't step on any of your toes. I just feel like I need to get this off my chest and you get to be the ones to hear it. Over the 30 years that I've been in ministry, over my lifetime, I've I've seen a, a change in how we handle death that I'm not sure I entirely agree with. Earlier in my ministry, earlier in my life, when someone died, you had a funeral. You had a funeral. And typically you wore black. And typically it was a a solemn affair. And even if the person had not been particularly religious in their lifetimes, as we sent them on, we offered a religious service. But increasingly through the years, more often than not, when someone dies, we receive a request, could you lead a celebration of life service? Funerals have been, for the most part, replaced with celebrations of life, where the emphasis is less on the mystery of death and what comes after death, and increasingly the emphasis is placed on the life that was lived. In the 1964 edition of the Methodist Book of Worship, there is a service for the burial of the dead. That sounds ominous, doesn't it? When we replaced that Book of Worship in 1992, we updated the title. We now call it a service of death and resurrection. But as I said, more often than not, we get requests for celebrations of life with 
pictures and videos and display tables and funny stories. In fact, often now we're told, please don't tell sad stories. We don't want people to cry. Have you ever been to an end-of-life service where people didn't cry? Now, most of my ministry, I, I actually haven't been in the funeral business. For 11 years, I was a campus minister. Thank goodness I never had to do a funeral for any of my students. Before that, I started a new church that was mostly younger, and in those days did not do many funerals. But early in my ministry, and since leaving campus ministry, I've done much more. And what I've discovered through these recent years is that increasingly these end-of-life services have a lot less to do with our faith and eternity and more to do with lifetime accomplishments and achievements. In fact, it seems increasingly these services have to do with people's little foibles and idiosyncrasies, things that they'd probably be embarrassed if they knew we were going to say about them. Their hobbies, the team they rooted for, the candidates they voted for, awards and recognitions, funny things that they said or did, escapades that probably don't need to be told anywhere, much less the church. I'm serious. And often, no mention of faith at all, no mention of their faith, apart from my role as pastor in the service. I even discovered in recent years, when I was serving in South Florida, that many of the funeral homes were converting their funeral parlors, where funeral services had traditionally been held, into uh, entertainment suites that could be decorated and food catered and drink according to the deceased's hobbies and interests. So if you're a golfer, you can have a golf-themed party at the end of your life. You don't get to come. It's for everybody else. Or if you like race cars, or if you like a special sports team, you can have your room decorated in just that way. A year ago, before my own uh, vaccination uh, and honestly, at a time that I, I was getting a little concerned about COVID and, and what it would mean if I were to catch it, I decided it was time to plan my own funeral service. Kelly's often said, you need to plan it. I don't know how to plan that. You need to tell us what you want. And so I did. I listed some songs that could be songs, some scriptures, that prayers that I, I particularly like. But I left this instruction specifically in big, bold type. No slideshows, no display tables, no talk about my education or my hobbies or my miscellaneous collections or the various haircuts that I've had or my tattoos or my shifting weight or the degrees that I've earned or the jobs that I've held. None of that. When I die, tell people about my convictions. Tell people about the faith that I clung to. Tell people about the call I responded to. Tell people about the God that I've given my life to. Talk about the people I've loved and been loved by. Talk about my faith in heaven. And I get it. When we talk about death, that's a hard thing. It's an uncomfortable 
topic. And I'm not suggesting we need to return to solemn, serious burial of the dead services. But when we come to the end of a person's life, if we as Christians don't talk about death, if we don't help people grieve, if we don't proclaim our faith in the resurrection of Jesus, when will we? Who will? I mean, I get it. We don't like death, do we? We're scared to talk about our own. We don't like the idea of losing people we're close to. We don't want to face it. We don't want to talk about it. We avoid it. I think it's not so much death as it is dying. We fear what that experience might bring. No, denying death is a mystery. There's much that we can't say, and especially on this side of death, it just feels like an end. For those of us who remain when somebody dies, all we feel is loss. All we see and experience is there's absence. But for people of faith, we believe, even if we don't know specifically what awaits us, we believe There is so much more than this life. In the African-American church, there is still a tradition of home-going services. Not homecoming, home-going services. I particularly like that. Oftentimes, the mourners wear white. Oftentimes, home-going services last for hours. And they are a mixture, a combination, a healthy merging of worshiping God, celebrating the life of the deceased, acknowledging the pain and challenges they may have experienced in life, expressing grief publicly, and declaring faith that this person has now gone home to a better home. Home-going services were birthed out of the experience of slavery. Because often when a slave died, they were liberated from the bondage and suffering of their earthly experience. It was believed that they had gone on to a life that was better. Death was freedom. Thus, there are so many songs in the African-American tradition that talk about heaven Swing low, sweet chariot, coming forward to what? Carry me home. One glad morning when this life is over, I'll fly away. Soon and very soon, we're going to see the king steal away to Jesus and so many more. I love the tradition of a home-going Service. And I think it stands in interesting contrast to the trend that so often now we focus on the life that was lived and it overshadows eternity. It overshadows all that is waiting for us. The last month, you know, was our stewardship season. The, the theme for our stewardship season was we are called. Now, you can be relieved that ended last week. Today's not a stewardship message, though I am still waiting to see a few of your pledges. Don't make me name names. But as I was 
preparing for that season series. And as I was thinking about today, I was reminded of the old spiritual when the roll is called up yonder. When the roll is called up yonder. The opening verse says, On that bright and cloudless morning when the dead in Christ shall rise and the glory of his resurrection share, when his chosen one shall gather to their home beyond the skies, and the roll is called up, yonder I'll be there. Now, that was written by a Methodist, though there's a bit of theology here that we don't uh, necessarily ascribe to anymore. I don't know if our eternal home is beyond the skies, and I don't exactly know where over yonder is, Yonder's a perfectly good southern expression of some general whereabouts, but it doesn't tell us a lot about where heaven is or how to get there. And maybe that's part of the problem. We don't have a very clear, specific roadmap to heaven or know specifically what heaven will be. The Old Testament helps us a little bit. It tells us about a Garden of Eden. Maybe heaven will be like a garden. Sometimes we draw from the illusion of the Israelites crossing over the Jordan River into the promised land. That's been an image used for heaven. Jesus said that in his father's house there are many rooms and he goes to prepare a place for all of us. He said to the thief on the cross next to him as they were dying, today you will be with me. Where? In paradise. That's right book of Hebrews says that the saints of old anticipated, hoped for a better country. Revelation describes worship that happens night and day around the throne of God, a city of pearly gates and golden streets, the end of suffering, pain, tears, and grief, and most importantly, eternal access face-to-face with the living God. It's difficult to to mush all of that into a a cohesive vision of heaven. But it sounds pretty good, doesn't it? Paradise, a home prepared just for you, the end of suffering and grief, immediate access to God. Today's scripture came from Hebrews chapter 11. If I had read the whole of chapter 11, you would have heard summaries of the lives of of saints of old, from the Old Testament. Names we know, Abel, Enoch, Noah, Abraham and Sarah and their descendants, Moses, Rahab, judges, prophets, martyrs. And Hebrews 11 says that each of them experienced in this life hardship and setbacks, and yet they remained throughout faithful and steadfast, holding to God's promises Hebrews 11, 13 and 14 says, all these people died in faith without receiving the promises, but they saw the promises from a distance and welcomed them. They confessed that they were strangers and immigrants on earth. People say this kind of thing, make it clear that they are looking for a homeland. Today, we could add the names of the saints that we read and lit candles for, who also face challenges in this life and live their lives as faithfully as they could and now have gone home. 
Tish Harrison Warren writes, we cannot live well if we deny the truth of where we are headed. One day I will know death up close and personal. This reality must change the way I live as surely as the ocean shapes the shore. By accepting our mortality, not denying it, sentimentalizing it, or running from it, we learn to live through Christ. There is undeniably a connection between how we live this life and the life that we anticipate beyond death. It's not a trying to earn our way into heaven. Eternity is a gift of grace from God. Rather, it's a living by faith in light of what's to come. In lieu of eternity, in anticipation of eternity, we live our lives by faith so that when we die, we die in faith and not in fear. And by the way, Whatever it is we believe that heaven will be, whatever we believe will be true on the other side of death, why not start to live that truth and that life now? If we believe in heaven, we will see God face to face. Why not seek God's face and presence now? If we believe in heaven, there will be fairness and justice for all of God's people. Why not work for fairness and justice now? If we believe in heaven, all sins will be forgiven and all divisions erased. Why not do more forgiving now? If we believe in heaven, there will be freedom from suffering. Why not work to alleviate the suffering of others in this life? If we believe heaven will be a place of unspeakable beauty, why not create more beauty here? If in heaven we will be living in the love of God, why not spread around a little more love here? If we'll be saints when we get to heaven, why not start acting a little more saintly here? If in heaven we will be surrounded at the throne of God by all kinds of people, people of every tribe, tongue, and language, as Revelation tells us, why not diversify our relationships here and now? Friends, sometimes when I hear people talk about how they want to honor the end of their life or when they plan something for their loved one, it almost sounds like they think heaven is going to be a letdown. Or sometimes people come and ask me, well, what do you think this is going to be like in heaven or that? And it's almost like they're dreading it. Friends, there's nothing to dread. Yes, death is tragic. Death is a loss for us who remain. But for those who die, death is the final transition. It is the final transformation, the final perfection. It is a new birth and a new beginning. Whatever life beyond death will be, it will be good. 1 Corinthians 2.9 says, God has prepared things for those who love him that no eye has seen, no ear has heard, or that haven't crossed the mind of any human being. The closing verse of that hymn, when the roll is called up yonder, goes like this. Let us labor for the master from the dawn till setting sun. 
Let us talk of all his wondrous love and care. Then when all of life is over and our work on earth is done and the roll is called up yonder, I'll be there. So today, as we do each year, we honor the saints whose work on earth is done. We celebrate their lives. We celebrate their work. We celebrate their accomplishments. We celebrate all that made them unique and different. And we especially celebrate their faith. Let's not forget their faith. Let's not forget to talk about the gift of eternal life. Yes, let's acknowledge the loss and let's celebrate the homegoing. And may we who are still on this side of death live by faith as those who have faith, who believe, and who are prepared to die. There is a a prayer in our current ritual for an end-of-life service that feels especially appropriate for this morning. So I'd like to close with this. Will you pray with me? O God who gave us birth, you are ever more ready to hear than we are to pray. You know our needs before we ask and our ignorance in asking. Give to us now your grace that as we shrink before the mystery of death, we may see the light of eternity. Speak to us once more your solemn message of life and of death. Help us to live as those who are prepared to die. And when our days here are accomplished, enable us to die as those who go forth to live, so that living or dying our life may be in you, and that nothing in life or in death will be able to separate us from your great love in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen. We hope you enjoyed the podcast and that you will listen again in the future. If you enjoyed today's message, we hope you'll subscribe to our podcast on your favorite platform and share it with others on social media. For more information about First Church Orlando, please visit our website, at firstchurchorlando.org or follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. If this podcast is a valuable resource to you, we invite you to give to this ministry by making a financial contribution at firstchurchorlando.org forward slash give. Now, may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace.